Hello, my name is Jeff, the GM. And I'm Cameron, the co-GM. And welcome to Crits and Company. This is a podcast where we and some friends play tabletop RPGs and try to make exciting and fun stories. We've been playing RPGs for many years, and we have decided to try and produce our games as a podcast. Currently, we are a few months into playing a homemade Starfinder campaign with evil characters. We now call Sinister Shenanigans in Space, or SSS. So Starfinder is a sci-fi fantasy made by the game publishing company Paizo. The campaign and game setting were created by great GM here, Jeff. And here in episode zero, we're going to go through the lore of the world and character backstories. So let's get started. So to summarize the setting and key aspects of Starfinder, there are countless races and worlds spread all across the stars with everything interconnected through drift technology, which is traveling through the plane known as the drift. And this results in vastly shortened travel times. Then there's also this really fun phenomenon called the gap, which resulted in the loss of all memories and records beyond 317 years ago for the purposes of our story. And that goes back for millennia before records resurfaced. Yeah, that's easy enough to remember, right? And now the setting for our campaign is created by this genius here, Jeffrey Tapp. Yeah, I'm not much of a genius, but I'll try and quickly run through what's important. So for our homemade campaign, I created the Artemis Cluster, an open cluster of stars found many light years away from the pack worlds. With only a few drift beacons in the cluster, it takes nearly a month of travel from the pack worlds to get to Artemis. A few of its stars possess some civilization, alien and indigenous. The most prominent would be the Kelsey system, founded right after the gap when its drift beacons were placed by the Church of the Triune. It was discovered by the Kasathas when they encountered the local civilizations. The two most notable planets here are Purgathra, a desert planet mostly used as a starship graveyard and salvage, and the quintessential capital of the system, Aura Prime, a world covered in an all-encompassing city. The second system, Possessing drift beacons brought a number of Lashunta and Shira into it. It is a binary star system named Timo Hell's system. Timo, an old yellow giant, holds a space station orbiting extremely close named Taurus, a young blue star in the far reaches of Timo's orbit. Named Hell's has three habitable planets. The most notable is Tolmei, a fair and temperate planet with a comfortable atmosphere. There is also a dead star that orbits the outer reaches of the Timo and Hell's system. Its cold, lifeless surface betrays the ever-stirring populace that dwells its depths. There are more notable planets outside of those two systems, two fun ones being Tamaw and Saranus. Tamaw is a vibrant planet populated with deadly life. Saranus is the artificial shell world created by some unknown race called the Seranians. We also created three races unique to for our setting, Kaber, Gekarok, and Malorian. The Kaber are innately magical and colorful humanoids, each individual vastly unique and varied physical characteristics, including their horns, tusks, or pointed ears. Their origins are traced to the moon of Phagus, orbiting the gas giant Jisoki in the Kelsey system. An amphibian species that mastered the biomes of their homeworld from swamps to mountains and everything in between the Gekarok resemble frogs and toads that walk on hind legs. 
they are native to the planet Tomei in the Timo Hell system. And then an avian race that evolved from survival in the harshest environments on their native planet, Tema. The Malorians are a sophisticated civilization that were found not too long ago by traders visiting Tema, and they're now beginning to integrate into the cluster. Now, it's fairly important to the current story. I'll also mention the Syndicate. It's a massive crime organization across the Artemis cluster, primarily composed of three large criminal groups, the Outfit, the Gokudo, and the Mules, that each got their inspiration from real-world criminal organizations. The Outfit is more of like your classical mobster of crime, Italian or Russian. The Gokudo are inspired by Yakuza and the Triads. And the Mules are a highly organized, highly anonymous drug cartel. So one final detail about our campaign is we have some house rules we've implemented. There are new rules or minor changes to official rules that either make things more useful or more fun or just entertaining for us. One being Paizo's released some decks of cards that have various critical effects, either good or bad. And instead of just doing normal critical effects, we're just failing on a roll of one. We have implemented the critical fail of critical success decks, and we draw a card from the respective deck, and it either enhances the effect of a critical, or it results in some pretty terrible effects for a critical failure. The cards also have extreme effects that can only be applied when specific criteria are met, as stated on the cards, resulting in some pretty crazy things. We formed a rule that can allow players or even enemies to try and quick draw and a sort of surprise attack uh, can have some pretty disastrous effects. We also tweaked grenade damage. We've created an archetype, which my character in the campaign actually uses. Uh, we've added a couple additional options for using RP, resolve points. And there are a few cluster-specific manufacturers we've come up with. So for the campaign so far, five of our characters met in a prison, each with their own agendas. A recent inmate had an assassination plot against them. When the assassins arrived, the ensuing chaos gave our characters a means to escape. After their escape, the crew went after their own personal vendettas, clues in their own investigations, and met some colorful companions along the way, including our sixth character, who was a recent addition. As the story has continued, the characters have grown together and stayed together as it proved useful to them in their own individual goals. And here in episode zero, we're going to go through character backstories. So let's get started. Hey, everybody. My name is Matt Julian. I play as Darflon, who's a dwarf. Um, he has a red beard that's that's turning gray in age, but he's short, stocky, round, as you'd expect a dwarf to be. He's actually a character from a previous campaign uh, in Pathfinder, uh, where he was a cavalier and, and rode on a mount that was a black unicorn named Virgil. Um, but after that campaign, he he spent some time alone, and eventually, uh, after going after a bounty, he just saw a bright flash of light and blacked out, and then he woke up not knowing where he was and come to find out he had, he had somehow warped through time and space into a to a new time and to a new land on a totally different planet. Um, but his entire temperament after a lot of time had passed and being alone and away from his, his previous friends and adventurers was that he's just very bitter at everyone now. 
and his only motivation really in life is to to get revenge on anyone who's wronged him. Um, so he's he's lived life like that for several years in this new realm that he's been in, and he finds himself on the planet of Pergatha, um, and he spent a lot of time in bars between jobs, and he really had become accustomed to a lifestyle of violence where he'd just be in bar fights all the time. And one day he was approached by a young vest named Vriskel who had witnessed his violent dealings with others in the past. And Vriskel really wanted to prove his strength and might. So he called Darflon out in a fight, which was a terrible idea because Vriskel was beaten to a pulp. Uh, He was almost dead. And Darflon dragged him out of the bar and threw him into the back of his truck and drove him out into the middle of the desert uh, that is inhabited by a fire eel where he threw Vriskel out of the truck and he was devoured by the monster. this was unfortunate for Darflon because what he didn't know is that Vriskel's father was a Vesk named Korskill, and he was one of the most influential people um, on the planet of Pergatha, as he uh, was a wealthy tycoon that was responsible for building the town of Oasis on Pergatha. And so Korskill, to get revenge on Darflon, instead of taking violent action, he decided to move through the law and have Darflon arrested and imprisoned for the rest of his life. Uh, so that it wouldn't hurt his own public appearance um, to do uh, that to Darflon. So that is where Darflon uh, meets the other adventurers in prison, and uh, they eventually escape, and they go on lots of odd jobs and bounties and things like that, but eventually they make their way back to Pergatha, where Darflon plans his revenge on Coruscill, and they, they raid Coruscill's house and chase him down and eventually kill him. Uh, which kind of wraps up part of Darflon's backstory inside the main campaign. Hey guys, I am Joe Reed, and I play the character of Ghost. And at the beginning of the campaign, uh, Ghost was Ghost 19, but Ghost is now uh, named Ghost 20. But uh, to tell you a little bit about Ghost, Ghost is a android that is covered um and completely black but has like a, a carbon fiber type of uh texture and most androids have um lights that uh circulate over their body but um ghosts even the lights that are on ghost's body they're actually like dimmed and blacked out and so like any type of glow that you might see is a hint of a, like a gray color. And so Ghost does uh, all that he can to stay hidden. But uh, with Ghost, he um, began the campaign by trying his best to find uh, a character named Wop. And Wop was like he's told his kind of father figure. And Wop is a a goblin, and so it kind of doesn't make complete sense, but that's a part of his backstory is how they came together and how Wop became his uh, father figure. But in the process of Ghost trying to get to Wop, Ghost put himself in prison, going after leads that he found or that he has on his list. And so the Ghost 19, the 19 in his name, comes from the list. And those are people who were responsible for taking WAP. And so Ghost has been on a journey trying to find WAP 
and taking people out off of the list. And so Ghost is uh, now Ghost 20. Uh, he has begun the attempts of trying to find uh, WAP and is that's where we find Ghost in his journey right now is uh, pursuing after um, Birch and North or names that he was given trying to lead him to where WAP is. Skylar Hansen and I play the character EO. EO is a android biohacker. He's about the size of a normal human being. He resembles a normal human male with the exception of having some android features such as lights and, and glowing eyes. EO is a easygoing, just kind of with the flow kind of guy. He is very thankful to have found a group that is trustworthy that he can follow around. Um, from his creation, he was always somebody who just follows people. He originally came to knowing a lot about immunology and the study of one's immune system, but he didn't know much else. So a gang known as the Liquid Death took him in and he worked for them as their doctor and drug specialist for many years and finally decided to get out of the drug trade and go explore the galaxies and try and figure out a little bit more about where he came from and what his origin was. And he ultimately wanted to find out more about drugs. On the planet of Aura Prime, EO met this rowdy bunch of adventurers when he rescued a poisoned Darflon, and they just hit it off. He had to pass a couple tests that were completely meaningless, um, but now he sticks around and has become the healer of the group and also the inhibitor of the group. Hi, my name is Ethan Stallings. I am playing the character uh, Callius Neveir, and he is a Kaber Witch Warper. Um, he has this really nice purple skin, really kind of like fiery red hair, like a deep crimson red hair, with a sweet pair of horns with some ornate rings on them. Um, he's a really cool looking dude. Um, as Callius, I am very charismatic. Typically, you will hear me kind of do the negotiating uh, and and try to do a lot of the witty talking. Um, and the reason that is, is kind of from his backstory, why he is so, he tries to be so funny and tries to be so charismatic is because he's really got kind of a troubled past and he's, he was hurt a lot uh, as, as he went through life. Uh, starting with with his parents, you know, he had a really good childhood starting out. Um, you know, his mom put him in school and, and everything was good, other than the fact that the kids would make fun of him for his horns and stuff, because on Tume, Caber weren't really that common. Um, so the horns really got, got him teased and stuff. But other than that, pretty normal upbringing. Um, when he became a certain age, his mom started teaching him the magic ways. And that's really kind of when he started stepping into his witch warper, uh, magic as, as his mom taught him. 
tragedy came in the picture when Callius's dad couldn't hold up in some bets that he had made and uh the a group called the mules ended up coming to our house and killing both of my parents uh, my dad had just managed to to hide me hide me away so i could live and try to to continue having a life a somewhat normal life since that point on things just became really hard Callius took to the streets became began stealing anything he could really to to live is is kind of what was going on uh and then he met thanatos thanatos is quote unquote his brother uh they were on the streets together and really helped each other survive using their different skills and and everything and so we just kind of picked up and were inseparable from that point on and I learned more about his history. He learned more about mine. And we kind of just bonded even stronger over that and decided we were going to help each other out. Um, and that threw us into uh, the wild ride of joining the mules and trying to gather info and botching a job on purpose, which threw us into the prison where all of the other party members were. And that's kind of how we got linked up. Hi, my name is Cameron Stanley. And I play a character, Thanatos Novair. He's a Spathanae, uh, average height, average weight, primarily a, a light green-gray color. Something fun to note would be that his entire torso is covered in black vein, though most people don't see this as he typically has an illusion up to make him appear as though he is the twin brother of another character, Callius. This is because they consider themselves to be brothers. Much like Callius, Thanatos has had a colored past, and he is only where he is today due to Callius. And appropriately, he would give his life for Callius if needed. He tends to keep to himself, so most people don't know much about him, aside from his brother. He comes from Tumay, Timo Hells. He was born to a tribe of Spathanae roughly 24 years ago. Thanatos is a technomancer, quite skilled in illusion and transmutative magic. He's certainly not afraid to get his hands dirty, as he would do anything necessary to defend his brother. Much of Thanatos' past is a mystery to all the other characters, but it's quite likely that we will see much of it unfold. Hey everybody, my name is Daniel Tackett. Um, my character's name is Dreystar Dyer. He is a drow, a soldier, but more in the line of a sniper. So he can take some hits, but he generally stays away from them. He's a traditional in, in the sense of he's got purple skin, no tattoos, he has white hair. He's about six feet tall, 150 pounds or so. He's chaotic evil in his alignment. And this drow is 181 years old. When he came of age at 100, he was set out on his mission by his mother, which was essentially to find a purpose for his existence. In Drow society, it's a matriarchal society, so women are the most important individuals in the society. They occupy the most prestigious and important jobs in the house and in the uh, society at large. So, Dreystar was born as the third brother, the sixth child. So, uh, basically everything that they needed a male for, which is usually just leading armies or stealing tech, has been taken by his brothers, and there's really no purpose for his existence. 
So at age 100, he was sent out to specifically do that, to find why he should exist. Uh, he has taken it upon himself to look for any weapon or magic or anything that can propel his family to the forefront of a drow society on Apostate, the, the planet that they are from. So, at the beginning of our campaign, we were all in prison together. The reason that Draystar got in prison to begin with was he was journeying in the Artemis Sector looking for the aforementioned weaponry for his family. He landed on Outer Station, and he was met with a man named Jode and a number of mercenaries that uh, took him into custody and put him in a prison for 30 years. Jode is an individual from Draystar's background that was on a mission with him as they were on a Veskian cruiser trying to steal a new prototype of armor. As they were on this mission uh, and as they were, were going into it, they were discovered and most of the crew that uh, they went with this mission on had already get, gotten killed. And all that was left was Draystar and Jode. Jode, being the sneak thief that he is, took an escape pod and left Draystar to die. Draystar was able to fight his way out of the Veskian cruiser and escape, but he swore to get vengeance on Jode at that point. Um, obviously, Jode knew about this, and so when they were on Outer Station together, he conspired to have the Baron of Blood, an elf, um, to take the drow into custody. And so Draystar was sentenced to 30 years in prison, and that's where the story picked up with Draystar's companion support. They were able to go on a number of revenge quests for each of them, and that included Jode, who they tracked down on Aura Prime, as he was part of a mercenary group that did a number of different jobs. Uh, they were able to find him, able to infiltrate his facility, and able to kill him ultimately. Which, in the end, leads us up to this point in time. Draystar is still on a revenge quest because now he is also after the Baron of Blood, who uh, leads Outer Station as one of the people that he needs to take out. He's also uh, consistently looking for additional weaponry to ultimately fulfill his desire to be back in his family's good graces.